Hi, hello and welcome to another episode of Of Course China. My name is Fernando and this is Ziv. And today we have a very, very special guest. Her name is Anna Roxana Greenwald. And let me tell you something, you want to stay here for the entire length of this podcast. The minute she walked into this office, I was completely blown away by everything she has to say. So, uh, Ziv. Why don't you introduce briefly um, who Anna is? All right. Um, so Anna, a little bit about your past. You were, you were born in Romania. You grew up in Israel. You uh, you had four kids. You have four kids, and uh, you moved to Thailand to Chiang Mai yes. about fifteen years ago, right? Yeah. And then after a couple of years there, there you moved to China after your husband. But today um, you're running. Uh, business with a lot of uh, different interesting parts in it. Correct. Right. Thank you for being here. No problems. My pleasure. So if you are interested in uh, innovation, sustainability, entrepreneurship, uh, stay tuned because this is going to be a very, very good one. All right. Um, so Ziv, why don't we start with the questions? Um, you, you started your education where exactly? I started my education in Israel. Okay. I did my bachelor degree in international business management. Mm -hmm. I did my master degree in business administration. And then after I left Israel, I started my PhD in business administration. Okay. Which I finished one year after I arrived to China. Okay. All right. And so you started in Israel uh, um, and um, you studied, you said, business Business, international business. International business management. Why, why did you choose that? Uh, at, at, at a younger age, well, why did you choose that? What made you? Well, I wanted to study criminology. Criminology, but, okay. Yeah. okay. But my father said no way. Okay. And since he paid for four years <laughs> of university ahead, he chose the subject. Well, sounds like Chinese people. <laughs> sounds like my yeah. father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this oh. is Romanian father. No way you're studying this. But looking back now, was it good? Yes, okay. I think he made a good choice for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then you you uh, you you already uh, kind of an entrepreneur in a younger age, right? Like in Israel, uh, you had a few kids. Yeah, um, and, and this is a big entrepreneur for kids. <laughs> that, that, that is entrepreneurship. It's a big business. <laughs> it's true. You have four kids, right? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, um, what was your first business? First business did you open? My first business was a Jeep tour. A Jeep tour, okay. Yeah, <laughs> to Jordan in Israel in the right. desert. Yeah. And this came by my husband wanted to buy a Jeep, a okay. Defender. Okay. And uh, we took a loan for, to buy it. Okay. And then got a promotion at work. Okay. And the Jeep was standing there and no use. So I said, okay, I can, I can do a course <laughs> and do it. I did it for eight years. Eight Israel. years? Wow. Yeah. So you gave tours by Jeep? Yeah. Where? Which part of Israel? In the south of Israel. South of Mostly Israel. Mostly in the south. Okay. And uh, some in the north. Okay. In Ramatagolan Mountain. Okay. And uh, I even did three or four tours to Jordan. You drove? Yeah. Oh, wow. Up to, up to how many people were you bringing in the Jeep? Five people? Seven people. It was a long people. defender. Uh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I, me too. Don't get when I left cars. Israel, I cried only because of that. 
<laughs> when I sold <laughs> right. the Jeep, I cried. And that wasn't your only business in Israel? No. <laughs> what, had, what was next? I had a bar. <laughs> you had a bar? Yeah. Right. How, how was the bar business? It was very good. We did it in a different way. Okay. That was, it was in Carmiel, Israel, in the north. And I tried to think of a different aspect of it. Like it's more, it was more like a community. Okay. So we had some small parties. Okay. Uh, people could, could arrange and talk and uh, be barmans for a night. Was it in the kibbutz or? No, no, no. it was in Carmiel. Carmi also. In Carmiel. In ah, Carmiel, okay, in okay. the city, but most of our customers were from the kibbutzim around. Okay. And, and I closed it because I got pregnant <laughs> nine months and I couldn't do it anymore. Your fourth, <laughs> your fourth child. Die, yeah. All right. I see. So not a stay-at-home mom at all. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. My kids used to get sandwiches to school <laughs> and they would never forgive me for that. Like I used to take a chocolate bar, put in, in between, between two breads. Two breads and tell them it's okay, it will melt on the way. <laughs> it never melted. If you're watching. Yeah, yeah. I know they're watching, but... This is chocolate this sandwich. Is <laughs> well, mommy is busy running a business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's funny. Awesome. And, and then the it's never melted. So then you... Uh, why did you move to Chiang Mai in Thailand? What year was that? It was 2007. Okay. Uh, there was the second war of Lebanon in Israel. Okay. And our house was bombed twice in the yard. And I said, okay, statistically, I have three boys and one girl. I'm not in a good, good situation if my kids stay in Israel. Army. Yeah. Right. And I decided, it's not so patriotic to say, but I was an officer in the army, in mm -hmm. the Navy. Okay. But when you have kids, you look on things differently. Yeah, the same. three boys. Yeah, And when you have three boys and you know they are all healthy and they're they going be to drafted. be fighters. Everybody is drafted, Fernando. Mm. Everybody is drafted, but uh, healthy boys go to be fighters. Fighters. Oh, okay. So front lines. Okay. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, you know, right, the stories. When I was a kid, my mom, uh, my grandparents would tell me, well, by the time you're 18, we, we, we wouldn't need army. Mm -hmm. It will be okay. There will be peace. But I think by now we know this is not so easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I decided I want to leave Israel. Mm -hmm. So I came to my husband and I told him, listen, I'm not staying here. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can come or you can stay, but I'm not staying here with three boys. Well, two bombs in the yard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, he went to his boss and he told him that unfortunately he has to leave. And his boss offered him a job to keep him in China. Oh, how come? Okay. What was that? Uh, what was that position? What was the profession? Your husband? He's plastic injection engineer. Okay. So he knows materials and molds and. So the company was already working the with China. The company already worked with China, built molds Where, here. whereabouts in China was he working? Uh, here in, in Dongguan. Dongguan, Shenzhen, mm. around here. Okay. So. When we and he offered him the job, and uh, when we talked to people, people didn't knew China then. Mm -hmm. So all of them told me that what you going to China? It's very expensive, and if you're not living in a very expensive place, you're living in the garbage. Like you don't have yeah. anything. So 
I spoke with my best friend, Annie, and she told me, come to Chiang Mai. <laughs> I live here already 18 years. It's a very nice place. There are very good schools. And I moved there, and he moved to China. And he was on the way in between every two weeks, three weeks. South of China to, to Chiang Mai. Apparently, it was not so close like right. we thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> did you did you come here to visit him while uh, he was working here? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so you stayed in Chiang Mai with the kids. Yes, I was busy working there. So again, <laughs> so you moved to Chiang Mai as a housewife, supposedly. Yeah. But. But I found a great job. Okay. I was doing all the marketing to Chiang Mai government for the bilingual schools. Okay. Uh-huh. And I was busy. The kids were very happy. So for two years, actually, I didn't come to China. Oh, okay. So the kids in the international school in Chiang Mai, and you're yeah. working with the government in Chiang Mai. So you're happy. It yeah. sounds like you're happy when you're working, when you're doing something productive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Okay, so then uh, why didn't you stay there? You moved here after all. I moved China. here because I realized that it's important to be together. More okay, than right. a job, more than being happy there and life is good there. Okay, I'll, I'll have a quick question because when somebody says that China is expensive, um, back in those days, um, that doesn't register. In my, in my right, head. Right, right. It's true. It's a bit weird, right? Yeah, expensive. that somebody tells you, oh, China's expensive. Um, probably Thailand is a little bit cheaper, but China was not necessarily expensive. Perhaps with four children, it would be expensive. What, do they, what did they mean? The schools? What did I, they mean? Honestly, and what was your impression? Sorry, and what was your impression when you came to China? Did you feel it was expensive? No. <laughs> when I decided to move and I came to China, I didn't felt it's, it's expensive. It was more or less the Similar. prices in Thailand. Yeah. yeah. Right. The houses in Thailand are better. Like it's a private house with the same price of an apartment here. The only thing that scared me is the amount of people. Like <laughs> the first visit <laughs> China? in China, mm. I was in Sanjen. I tried to look for houses in Sanjen. And at 12 <laughs> o'clock, I was like shocked. I never saw so many people in on my life. Like... <laughs> I grew up in a sea small city. of heads. <laughs> How old were the kids at that time when you when you were thinking when you're moving to China? Yossi was 18. Right. That's why he moved That's after because he was already in university the studying there. Right. So he stayed there to finish his university and he moved after two years. So he stayed in China. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Amit was in grade 10. Okay. Shine grade grade nine. So teenagers. And guy was six years old. Right. So you had all kind of ages, right? Yeah. And uh, so you moved to China, and I remember, I remember that uh, how I met you. That's <laughs> um, a good one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's 2007, I guess, eight, yeah. something like that, and 12 years ago or more. And I was in Dongguan, and I got a phone call. Uh, it was a, a no caller ID. Uh, Oh, it was a number I couldn't recognize. And I answered, and this, this lady is talking to me in Hebrew. <laughs> uh, it was you. And saying, I'm Anna. Uh, I saw your name in the magazine, in the Here magazine. Your name is Ziv Glickman. Yes, you are from Israel, right? I, was, I got your phone number somehow. I just moved here. Come for coffee. <laughs> and uh, I was so, it was so blunt. But you know, Israelis are quite, quite like that. Not everybody. 
And uh, and I, I think I came the same day or the next day. The same day. Yeah, I didn't same day. give you a choice. Yes, you know, you say I'm in New Garden <laughs> or something, and I and I came, and that's how we met. You know. He was so shocked, like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so very very proactive. You're very proactive. Yes. Uh, which which is nice. So you moved to China, 2008. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And. Uh, so you move here with the kids. What what do you do when you move to China uh, with with kids? They have three kids, uh, school age, two teenagers. One is starting first grade. Probably primary, yeah. Yeah, primary. What? How did you find the school? What? Uh, what? Back then, it was even different than now. But I was very lucky that one of the f uh, owners of the factories that Ron worked with. Uh, first of all, he introduced me to Don Guan because okay. when I saw Sanjen. It was almost a breaking deal that I'm staying in Chiang Mai. But you know, but by the but way, then we, spoke I about to Don Guan. we spoke about the expense, the being expensive China. Maybe, maybe when they said, maybe they thought of Shanghai, Shanghai Shenzhen, Shenzhen more, being that more, is expensive more expensive than Don Guan. Right, yeah. right. So, so you were looking, you didn't like Shenzhen? No. Okay. And then I went to a factory with Ron, mm -hmm. my husband, and the owner told me, why you are looking for apartment in Sanjen? Come and see Don Juan. It's amazing. I didn't need to see a lot. I was here about, I told him, okay, let's wait for lunchtime and take me there. <laughs> I wanted to see the amount of people in the, on the streets. So you came to Dongcheng to check I out? I came to Dongcheng because Dongcheng had a QSI, international school. So right. he told me that there is also an international school. And I saw no people on the street. At twelve thirty, no people on the street. Everybody was napping, probably. At one, <laughs> sidewalks that you can walk freely, mm -hmm. and I said, "Okay, I'm moving here." On the same day, I I found from uh, here magazine a a real estate agent. I sent her an email. I told her exactly what I want. When we arrived, the first house we saw, we moved in. That's how you got my phone number, huh? From yeah. the real estate agent, probably. Okay. No. <laughs> no? From the magazine. He's still trying no, to figure it out. The phone number. The probably phone from number. the yeah. real estate. Yeah. So, so same day, you found a place. Okay. Did, uh, did you know that you want to put your kids in the international school? Because this is something that some you know people move to China with kids. Uh, it's something very, very important for families. I guess the teenagers, there's no way. They have to go to international schools, right? But if uh, your, el your youngest son, Guy, was six... There was a choice to put him in a Chinese school or not really? If I would do things differently, I think I made a mistake that I didn't put him in a Chinese school. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why didn't you? you just uh, the other kids? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. He wanted to follow his brother and sister. Right. So it was the easier choice. Mm -hmm. Right. But for his future, I think it was much smarter. Would have been better. To put him in for the Chinese language, in terms of developing language yeah. abilities, even all of them can speak Chinese. And right, guy, most of his friends are Chinese, but he could have had better Chinese. Yeah. I mean. okay. All right, so you definitely not a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> you got to Dongguan, and what did you start doing? Well, the first week. I volunteered already to the women organization, international women organization. Uh -huh. The women's club, yeah? Yeah. 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 There was then a w small women club, mm -hmm. right? and I volunteered there just to keep myself occupied. And to network. And yeah. 
then I found a job. Mm-hmm. I got a job offer in a company that is working with Chan'an government. Mm-hmm. They tried to change the mold association to be international one. So I did all the business plan for them. It's called HMAD. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fall down in the higher government because that days they didn't want to have international members mm-hmm. in the association. Uh, this is how I go to the plastic injection industry. Okay. Actually. <laughs> But your, your husband is in the plastic injection industry, For right? more than 30 years. So he's a very technical guy not a business guy not he's, a business he's, he's, guy he's, he's an engineer technical yeah right so so you did you know anything about plastic injection from him i guess well i knew the the words the wording right yeah, the terminology the terminology but i didn't knew exactly what it means okay uh, i learned with the time right right what what uh what pushes you to to keep To keep doing that i mean i know it's you 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 like to be busy right you're not a person obviously that sit at home and watch tv i guess right but what else what else uh, because you it seems that it's it was jeep it was a bar it was you know um uh, working, working with, with the, the government, chiang uh, government. Uh, in chiang mai and then now uh here with uh what what keeps you going well it's a different subject but like you know what I think curiosity is the strongest thing I have. Okay. Uh, I'm not a person to sit in an office and do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I like to learn things. Learning is... You like to know things. Power for me. Okay. The more you learn, the more you know. You Knowledge, know. yeah. Power. Knowledge is powerful, equal right. power, mm-hmm. my opinion. So I think this is my, what's driving me to try things. And I go to a stage now that I really want to do what I believe in. Right. So you, you're not afraid to try things, obviously. No. <laughs> right. So after that, you, you were working with Shanann and it didn't go through. What did you move on to? Yeah. Then I opened my own business. Mm-hmm. Doing what? Plastic injection molding. Okay. It started, uh, our slogan of the company was your eyes in China. Your eyes in China. Because I realized through my work in the mold association that many companies actually don't trust the Chinese companies mm-hmm. when they work from overseas. And they need someone to supervise and to tell them the real situation as it is. Yeah. So that should g- to just to give a bit of a brief to to some audience watching this, listening, and and you know don't really know technical things. People in the West they consume stuff, but they don't understand. Uh, some of them don't understand. Uh, plastic injection is for basically everything that's made out of plastic. So everything. it's like everything you go starting to the store, everything you see. Starting with the TVs at home, with right. your phones, with uh, chairs, tables, technical things, electricity boxes. Everything, yeah, is everything, everything is made out of plastic. Everything plastic is made injection. out of plastic. Right. Durability, weight, and um, electricity, no issues. So right. everything is... Right. The many features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So you started that company, Plastic Injection. So like eyes, your eyes in China. Your eyes in China. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a lot of trading companies, but uh, not just trading. This is specifically... It was not trading yeah. because the customers communicated directly to the factories. Mm-hmm. We were their engineering office. Oh, okay. 
So we took care actually of all the things that they are far. It saved cost of traveling to China, right. of visas, and they knew the actual Good. situation in On the daily ground. basis. So finally, your perfect family business. Yeah. Because your husband is, uh, is the engineer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, it started by me representing the company that he already worked in. Okay. And then more companies joined. Okay. On the same basis. Okay. Uh, m- moving forward, okay, um, during the preparation for, for this show, we were talking about you started working with shoe companies. Yes. Okay. What were you doing and who were you working for and, and how did you get to that? We did a lot of accessories and the uh, slides for coach mm-hmm. uh, in the last two, 2017, 2018. So three years, almost. Three years, mm-hmm. yeah. But then we stopped. Uh, we stopped because I decided that I'm going to go after what I believe in. Okay, and that's, that's, that's what really, really... Uh, caught my attention when we started doing the preparation. Um, how would you word it? What is it that you believe in and, and what did you do the things that you do to go after those? I believe in a good future for our kids and next generations. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing now, I think we're destroying our world by its own, by our own hands. And uh, basically by producing shoes, I understood the level of damage only from the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. There are many other industries, but because I worked there in both industries, plastic and fashion, right. I understood the level of damage we are doing to our world. Yeah, I would say working in plastic, you work with plastic a lot, so you see this. So you can see how many waste there is. Right. Uh, and you realize that Things need to be changed, and not in 10 years now, because yeah. in 10 years it will be too late. Okay. Um, so what did you do after working with Coach? You, you mentioned earlier that you decided to stop working with them, and what did you do then? I started developing a whole line of production, from scrap materials. Scrap materials. Different materials. The main material is leather because we are doing footwear. Mm -hmm. So the main scrap material we use is leather. But we also use denim. We also use cotton. We also use fur. Not real fur, but because I'm against it. Everything that a company is throwing away, away, we collect. You pick it up. And we redesign it. And you make fashion yeah. from that. Yeah. Wow. You you mentioned something, uh, Ziv, that I did know. I did not know. Yes. But your your factory where you make these products has zero waste. Zero like, waste. Like like listen, zero waste. And that was by design. Yes. That's, that was your objective, your goal, everything was planned, done, executed and geared towards get into a factory that makes fashion, makes shoes with zero waste. Now, please expand because this is just to me extremely interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, the whole idea was to have zero waste, to work in a circular economy way and to consume everything, all the waste, to 
100%. The problem was the main difficulty that we had is design. Because sometimes you collect the scrap, you produce, but you still have scrap. And mm -hmm. then you produce another product and you still have scrap. There is always scrap. some waste. There is always some waste. Some remains. Yeah. Yeah, remains. Right. At the end, uh, we came in a, with an idea of, wait a moment, maybe we can use it with the plastic, like a mixture. The first answer I got, no way. Leather burns. Can't be done. Can't be done. Plastic injection machine needs at least 120 degrees, degrees and, plus, and leather burns. Yeah. I said, okay, let's try. Different way, different techniques. And we found a way that now we are injecting and making outsoles made of recycled plastic material with all the waste we have after finishing our products, grained and put into the outsole. So you're, you're mixing plastic and leather. Yes. And you're able to uh, inject it to the, to, to turn it to a point where it can be injected and molded like if it were just plastic. Yes. So that way you eliminated all the remains, all the waste. All the waste. So and is this is a, oh, sorry, this, you mentioned that this is patented? Yes. This is okay. patented. So, <laughs> so basically, you get the scrap, you make stuff, you have scrap of the scrap, you make more things, you make scrap of the scrap of the scrap, scrap. you inject it with plastic, and you make outsoles. Yeah. And that's how you get zero. Zero. Waste. It's very interesting. <laughs> I, I, I watched um, a TED talk. I don't know, perhaps you've seen it. Uh, a, call, a guy called Plastic Mike. So he developed a way to recycle plastic, which is very difficult to do. Um, and there's a lot of sorting of different kinds of plastic, and then they, yeah, they kind of like melt it and turn it into pellets, and then they sell it to people who make all the plastic. Um, where do you get your scrap? Because he said, like, I get it for free. <laughs> I just go to places that are really working with scrap plastic, and that's where he gets his, his stuff. What about you? Where do you source your scrap plastic, scrap leather, the scrap leather we get from one of the biggest tenneries in Don Juan, mm -hmm. Simona. The scrap plastic, I don't need to outsource. We are a factory that's mm -hmm. making also plastic injection molds. So yeah. we use all the reject parts. Yes, it's different materials. We need to separate them. All the process is the same and we get it for free. Basically, <laughs> whatever somebody paid you to produce create scrap and that's what you use yeah. over here so the scrap leather also <laughs> comes from uh the tanneries that sell leather to the fashion industry right to to big big name yes big name uh, uh brands yes and uh, they sell them leather in pieces uh, that has requested and then they have the scraps from the big piece to make the shoes and they get a hide i hide. think this yes. is a lot of education right to the brands mm -hmm. like need to educate them because like I told you before, I don't like the word sustainability. Right. Like Ooh, in this every, is interesting. In every, every website of any big brand, or you see sustainability. But what does it mean? Right. No one is actually looking at it as it is. Sustainability is responsibility. So I use the word responsibility. Because it's not only about the product. Right. It's about the people that work with you. All right, let's expand on this uh, right after the break. Sure. 
All right, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back with Anna to talk a little bit more about this idea of sustainability that she doesn't like. All right, and we're back with Anna. And right now it's time for our very popular game, This or That. So, Ziv, why don't you explain to Anna how the game works, and then we go with the first question. We're going to have a question for you uh, with uh, two choices. Very simple. And then you need to pick one and explain why you picked it. All right. So, Fernando, you go ahead. Okay. Um, Because of the information that you have given us already, I want to ask you, working with your husband, working with family, is it easy or hard? Hard. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I work with my wife and I agree with you. It's a hard one. uh, You start with the hard one. Okay. (laughs) Hard. Hard. Why mostly? Because you need to balance the private life with work. Mm -hmm. This is the main reason, I think. Because at work, we go separately. Like, I run the businesses in the factories for production. Yeah. That maybe because it's hard, but you're still making it. That's, that's where, you know, good things come from. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, business or pleasure? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> balance. Balance again. Yes. Yeah. All right. But how do you balance it? How do you find balance between business and pleasure? I have fun when mm-hmm. I work. Okay. Oh, so okay. it's giving me pleasure to go to work. Okay. I do the same when I'm in the classroom. If I'm not having fun, the kids are not having fun. I'm a teacher, by the way. That is uh, <laughs> one of the kids for life, you know? And then yeah. you don't feel like you're working. Yeah. It's all pleasure, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. My next question also comes from some of the preparation that we've done. Um, so I'm going to poke into some of the things that you've said. Me Too movement or too much Me Too? Are you familiar with the Me Too movement? No. The um, feminism feminist movement? Yeah. You know. Too much. <laughs> too much Me Too. Too much Me Too. Could you elaborate? I think this movement is forgetting that we're losing the charm of a woman. Like, I believe, like, okay, a woman can do anything, mm-hmm. but she shouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't do everything. Yeah. Like, I believe in that a man should pay for dinner when he takes you out. Uh I believe that a man should carry the groceries if it's heavy. I believe that a man should open the door to the car when you enter. That's the way I was raised, so maybe it's a generational thing. (laughs) I believe it's nice to get flowers from time to time. Mm. I believe that every woman likes a compliment. And that so can be an issue nowadays. Yeah. I agree with you, but I think, uh, I think uh, society lost the balance of, the balance. of, of common sense. Mm. Exactly. We go about these, these things. Okay, next one. Uh, plastic or paper? Paper. Plastic. Plastic. You, may, you do plastic. Yes. How do you explain the... Uh, uh, yeah. W- w- plastic is less damaging to the environment? Less damaging to the environment. Okay. Why? Mm-hmm. Because plastic you can recycle 100%. Okay. Paper, even if you say you're recycling paper, you still need to add some new material, raw material. And we will talk about it more Mm. later. Okay. Okay. Uh, I follow with um, a question about fashion. When it comes to fashion, which one do you like better? Do you prefer Paris or New York? I've never been to New York, so Paris. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, this is you kind of stealing my question, Fernando. Um, so a couple of them, but okay, I will ask it more um, general. Europe or US? 
I've never been to U.S. So oh, Europe. really? You've never been to the U.S.? <laughs> no. Wow, that's surprising. Never. But And you have a few kids uh, studying in Europe. So in Europe. So definitely Europe for you. Okay. okay. <laughs> Good. The next one, a little bit easier. PC or Mac when it comes to computers? I'm not a technology person. What do you I, use? I use Mac because my son said you should use Mac. <laughs> it's easier for you because... It's a computer that whatever is installed inside, you just need to know how to operate it. Yeah. Like you don't need to worry about extra Less things. smarter than yeah. others. Yeah, more user-friendly, I think you mean. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, ocean or mountains? Mountain by the ocean. <laughs> this will be good. <laughs> Mountains. Mountains. You prefer the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And let me finish up with a, a business question. When you're doing business, do you prefer to call or text or email? Call. Call. Easiest way. Well, I, I got the feeling from the way that you guys meant that calling and, and is And one your last thing. one for me would be Gucci or Prada? None. None. No. <laughs> That's an interesting answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So this was This or That with Anna Roxana Greenwald. Okay, so let's continue talking about this idea that you were presenting to us that you don't like the term sustainability. You like the idea of responsibility. And during the preparation, we talked about how I mentioned that I feel that a lot of brands have prostituted the term sustainability. It's just something that they say to to be politically correct and to be kind of like accepted, but they continue with practices that are far from sustainable. So um, would you elaborate a little bit on how you, you, you came to the conclusion that sustainability was not your thing? Uh, because I can see a lot as part of many groups in the fashion. Uh, I see the, uh, the fashion brands, they really want to change the world. They really want to do something, but it's not coming into actions. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like what we are doing now with the scrap materials. Like if every company will use the same method, we will reduce the amount of garbage in the world by millions. Yeah, it will be. Billions, like crazy so for my opinion sustainability is is a word and what you do the actions you are doing this is the responsibility so i don't use the term sustainability like my products are made of scrap material made but by, by a technique of circular economy mm -hmm. i'm responsible because i treat my workers well I treat my suppliers fair, and I treat my customers fair. So to there produce, is more. Yeah, it, I think it goes until the end of the customer. Because you cannot say I'm sustainable, and to produce a product that costs $20, and you sell it with $500, $600. This is not sustainability. Yeah, right. So... Um. You, you also... That's why I'm saying the responsibility is from you until the end customer. Like from the suppliers until the end customer. 
I agree. Um, you also um, did something that's quite interesting when I first heard about it, was that you started working on, you started thinking about the boxes um, where the shoes go in when they're, when they're shipped. Um, what's the, the story of this development and, and where did it take you? Where are you now with this right, this, new, idea? this new material that you're using? Well, by being in producing footwear for three years, I saw the amount of shoe boxes that we need for one collection, uh, collection, one brand. There are many brands in the world and there are many customers, so it means there are billions of boxes that arrive to people home and getting thrown to the garbage. One time use. One time use. Uh, we experiment with a material that called a stone plastic mm -hmm. uh, three, four years ago for an Israeli company that's building greenhouses. And we use this material to do the green uh, greenhouses poles because it's photodegradable. Mm -hmm. And then it's make it much easier. They don't need to take apart the greenhouse. They just take the plastic sheet mm -hmm. away and the pole in six months is already turning degrade. to degraded. Uh, for people who are watching and maybe are not too technical, the idea of photodegradable means that just by UV, UV light lights. Uh, will decompose this um, stone plastic. Um, you say it's about 20 to 25 months. Completely yes. to decompose. But and after six months, it's already degraded. Okay, but 20 to 25 months, it disappears. Disappears already. No microplastics release in the world. What is the composition of the stone plastic? 80% calcium carbonate, which uh -huh. is the biggest and the resource, resource, material. resource material of the world. Non-limited. This mm -hmm. is the correct word. Yeah. It's non-limited resource of earth and 20% plastic. Again, let's let's explain a little bit to, to simplify things. This is just uh, rocks, just rocks and stones. Eighty percent. Um, Any rock. Yeah, can provide calcium carbonate. And the idea, because we were discussing about unlimited or uh, non-limited, is you could refurbish rock. For example, if if you build a new building or if you build a new road or a new dam, that rock can be reused uh, because it's going to provide uh, calcium carbonate. Yeah. So that's the idea of non-limited resource which is which is it just blows my so mind i, I want to also further explain to if because uh, it's i think it's very hard to understand on a you know in a minute explanation and uh so first of all there is 20 percent plastic in it but something happens because of the chemical reaction the chemical reaction change the way the plastic behaves yes and when it's degrade only calcium carbonate left in earth so that's that's remarkable so so you use plastic, but it doesn't behave like plastic. Regular plastic it takes how long to centuries? Centuries. Centuries. That's centuries. crazy. And what about, sorry, what about this kind of plastic? How long does it take? Is the same twenty to twenty-five? Yeah, it's together. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's together. It's a mixture. The Lord. chemical reaction makes it together, and the whole material is gone <laughs> in twenty-five months. I'm acting like the listener or the viewer right. out there who doesn't right. understand, so to wants to know. The raw material. So this is plastic that gets decomposed pallets, in twenty twenty-five months. Yes. Wow. The pallets now are made of 80% calcium carbonate and 20% HDP. Yeah, high-density polyethylene. polyethylene. And, and what blows the minds, I think, most of all for me, because I, I've heard this before from Anna, is that, okay, imagine you replace the, those uh, shoeboxes 
I mean, that's just one kind of box. I mean, imagine you replace any appliance box that mm -hmm. comes to your home. You don't just recycle paper to make more boxes. You don't need to cut any trees. No. Yeah, you were telling yeah. us something about that. When, when, when you have cardboard boxes, yeah. right, um, you could recycle some to some extent, but you were telling us that the amount of trees saved is very so low. So maybe, maybe to, to, to make it more clear, like you start with how many trees you need to cut to make boxes? One ton of recycled paper save only 17 trees. <laughs> How many trees you need to make one ton first? Thousands. Thousands of trees to yeah. make one ton. And, and then, then you save only 17 trees. To recycle. If you recycle paper. Recycle. Yes. So and you cut more trees because you have to mix. add and mix new paper new paper right. new pulp into into the mix yeah. that's the thing i mean when we are sold the idea of oh sustainability oh recycle oh recycle and it is sold to us like the the magical solution to cutting trees and we don't go deeper into this issue only when we talk to somebody like anna right. doing like right. Right. it's not that great right. yeah better than nothing it but slows it down, but, but it's not the solution right it's all right um i wanted to talk about cuz we also talked about the, the strength of this material. It's quite strong. So you were telling us, uh, giving us some example of the things that you make also with this material. We did a chair. A chair? Yeah. <laughs> Furniture? You can do, actually you can do anything with the material. It's strong. It's very strong. Uh, it's high density material. Mm -hmm. So it's stronger than the normal boxes. It's anti-water. Yeah, water resistance. Water, water resistance. Uh, Is it, it has, light? It's light, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you compare a shoebox, if you put on a weight, the shoe, normal shoebox and our shoebox, it's lighter by 20%. So, so shipping. it's cheaper for shipments. Yeah. yeah. So it's stronger, so you can put more things in it. Again, not just shoes. Yeah. For other products, it's no yeah. problem. Yeah, it's we can do, we, we did shipping boxes from it. Right. And this is this is something that you you okay, I might be confused, but this is something that you patented also? The material we cannot patent because the material exists in the market. Okay. We patent it as a box. Okay. We patent it using this material in different boxes, not only shoe boxes, right. mm -hmm. different kind of boxes. How about usually, I mean, uh, I met some people doing similar things, environmental things in the past and the packaging and uh, one issue that I, I, I found was always it's a bit too expensive. How about the prices? The prices are similar to normal box. So similar to normal competitive. box. Competitive. Yeah, very competitive. Very it's competitive. It's not more... It's more difficult to do. To make. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is the main problem of the sustainability in the world. The yeah. It's yeah. difficult they to do. They don't have the know-how. They're used to do yeah. the same things. Yeah. Right. The people what is, are not trained. What is the path for for you and this idea and this product? What what is your vision with this product? My vision is with this product to replace every box in earth, mm -hmm. not to cut any more trees. Because by cutting trees, we're not only cutting the tree. There are animals that dying because yeah. of that. There are many other losses to earth. Mm -hmm. And by using this material, you don't need to do it anymore. Or you can do it much less because there will always be the people that will say, okay, I want to use paper box. I, I, I want to play 
the role of the devil's advocate. Um, again, it's something that we talked in preparation. Um, revolutionary ideas, ideas that are designed or able to change the world, um, the experience a lot of resistance from existing businesses, from existing um, business models. So uh, think about the electric car and what Elon Musk had to, to face. We've had electric cars in the 1950s, but the oil interests, well, they blocked this idea from going on. Um, you could think, for example, what's happening right now with the impossible meat. If right. you guys are not familiar, it's a meat that it's just made of vegetables, but it tastes and, and cooks and feels like meat, exactly. So whenever somebody is trying to change the status quo, there are a lot of interests that are going to be disrupted and are going to be opposed to it. Um, have you encountered these um, obstacles already at this stage? Are people... Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that and uh, how do you circumvent those? Well, we're still in the process to think how to handle that. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no reason to resist it, but because it's, give you, it's on the same price of... We, let's, let's start like this. We presented the box to different companies. Yeah. Big brands, yeah. Big brands. Yeah. And we offer them to replace their own boxes with this box because... It's this a better option. A be much yeah. better option. And it's cheaper for them at the end because since it's more lighter, the cost of freight is it's much cheaper. less unless you ship it by sea. So it's the same, you pay per container. Volume. Mm -hmm. And we got different reactions... Uh, some of them involve like a very big issue in the world that buyers are used to buy from the same um, supplier for many years. <coughs> Sorry. It's okay. And have benefits. Like to <laughs> use a... That's the nicest word I've ever heard <laughs> for a bribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mean the reason... So they don't want to change the supplier. Yeah, of course. Yes, and this is, I think, one of the biggest uh, stones that you we're trying to pass, mm -hmm. using my words. <laughs> right. And the other thing is that people don't know the material. That's so that's perhaps one of the most important things that I that I came to realize is like when you have something so innovative, so disruptive to the market, um, one of the biggest challenges made it to make it publicly available so that people that people start putting pressure on industries to do the right thing, to, to, to follow something that is much better for the environment. So uh, this particular podcast right here is very, very small, hopefully will be very big at one point, but is a very small step in that direction, letting people know that there is something out there that we should all be pushing for. I, I, I can, I can, I mean, try to look, put ourselves in their shoes. I mean, part of it, I think we can understand. If there is a, let's say the box coming out tomorrow, all the big brands are changing to it. There are probably a lot of people losing their jobs. Yes. Okay, it cannot happen right away, right? And we don't want it right, to happen right, right but away. But what I mean is that some of the reasons we can understand, I think, with everything, but, you know, um, if it would not happen right away, actually, it's better. Because mm. the other factor is that used to work with paper yeah. can change right. That's what on I the process. To get into. 
Yes, I mean you need a change uh, and and tr- uh, you know training of current businesses that they don't just perish, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe they can use this and change with it, and then it's more a uh, reasonable solution and probably uh, more likely to happen, and in the end change the world. I, exactly. I, I, the way that I see it is, I go back to electric cars, right? One of the things that Elon Musk did, and I'm not suggesting that it's something that you should do, is that he made his technology open source. Right. So anybody can copy it. Um, so now you see um, legacy automakers all moving into the electric vehicle space. So you got Mercedes-Benz, you got Audi, you got BMW. Everybody's starting to make electric vehicles because it's like, this is better. Right. Better performance, better for the environment, blah, blah, blah. So let's 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 follow that new trend exactly. that has been created. So right. somebody has to start with the trend. Um, but the fact that he created this this technology via open source, kind of like it disarms the challenges. It disarms the resistance. But the stone stone box, we call it stone box, and the stone plastic is also open source. We don't have a patent on the yeah. material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The material exists for many years. You can use it as a powder. What we did differently, we, we tried to recycle also the stone. Mm-hmm. Like we collected waste of construction sites and took out the calcium carbonate out of it. And this is done, I mean, to, to think about the application because we're talking about all the theory and the model and... But this is something that you do in China. Yeah. You c- get rocks from construction. What? Yeah. Mm. And we're doing it in China. So the material is open source. You just need to have the willing to change. Yeah. To think not on today. To think about the future. And this is something that we all need to do together. This is a... So let's say this. Let's say tomorrow a billion shoeboxes are changing from card boxes, paper, to this material. There is, even though it's uh, unlimited, like you said, uh, there is there, there need to be more uh, mining of stone, right? Probably. So probably, like, but can calcium carbonate is non-limited resource. But can can the people cutting trees, lumberjacks, change the job to that? You know, you need to think about the whole process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, to, to make it more reasonable for everybody to accept. Well, we talked, for example, about the development of Dongguan. Sorry that I interrupted you for a second. Uh, the farmlands that were used for developing gardens, all the farmers that were there were now employed as gardening the roads. Mm. And that's why we see very beautiful roads around Dongguan because those farmers now take care of those gardens. Right. So, yeah, it's... To it's give them a path. Correct. Right. Uh, an option. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. And there is an option. And even if we start with 30% of the boxes in the world, it's a big achievement. Right. Because later it can grow when people have the time to adapt to the change. Mm -hmm. Right. Like business owners can change their business and focus Right, to but this also, material. also you're doing, you're trying. I mean, this material is another aspect of it. From what I know, it's an FDA approved already. Yes, right. You can make food packaging, any box, any packaging. Right, which is also another you. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe think, bigger than shoes. Think, I mean, I think about know. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Think about the pizza parlors, pizza shops. I don't know if it is, but it may be bigger than shoes even. I mean, if you think about it, food, right? So, um, and people are even throwing it more than they throw shoes boxes. 
away. Yes. Yeah. So women still keep some shoe boxes at home. Yeah. Yeah. They, some of them they keep. Nobody in the keeps boxes. The, the McDonald's box. No. Yeah. Right. So um, so it really can go anywhere. Can go anywhere. It's quite mind blowing. Well, I, would say. The, the, the I, whole business I of did packaging. the samples in on shoe boxes because I have the connections to the brand and right. I wanted to show them and prove them what is the difference and why they should change. Right. But you can use it for anything. Right. <laughs> this is fantastic. Like we, we used it now. We did even in injection, in plastic injection, by the way, mm-hmm. because this board is made usually by extrusion. Mm-hmm. But we tried the same material in a plastic injection for a part, and it came out perfectly. So even okay. parts like that you don't want them to last forever, yeah. and you want the customers to buy more, what we used it is like a, a spray protector for women hair color. Uh-huh. That we know that, the, I cannot say the brand, it's a big brand, yeah. but we know that the brand wants to sell as many as possible as this. Instead of using plastic, we gave them samples, but then the COVID-19 started. Okay. So we didn't go ahead with this. But I offered them, I said, look, you want to sell as many as possible. Don't make it from plastic, please. I'm, I'm, I don't want to do it from plastic. Let's try this material. And if it works, so at least I have right. a quiet conscience when a woman throw it away. That is going to it's be biodegradable. So, sorry, so photodegradable. photodegradable. So it doesn't only replace card boxes. It replaces plastic in yeah. some in some, in some uh, products. In some products. There was one of the things that I that impressed me the most the first time that I came to China, the amount of plastic that you see on the, when you take the train right. all over Everywhere, the roadside, right. all over yes. the, the railroads is plastic. So you could make the the bottles, you can make these cups. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. And then it's twenty, twenty five months, it's gone. Yeah. Right. This is uh did people do people think I mean factory suppliers you work with brands, you suggest this, you talk about this. Anyone ever look at you a bit like you're crazy? At the beginning, yes. Yeah? <laughs> at the beginning, yes. And it takes you time to explain and everything. It takes time to explain and to show and to prove. and Right. And so then they will understand, like, okay, it exists here. It's, I didn't it went to the moon and back to bring this technique. I just focusing only in this. This is the difference. Does it take a long time to understand? Some people cannot get it, I guess. Some ca- people cannot get it. Yeah. Some people telling me that I lost my mind. Right. What, what like your family tells you about this? It's your kids, middle age crisis. What telling me? Your fa- <laughs> middle age crisis, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, your husband. My is family pl- is very supportive. And your husband is a plastic guy. He's Thirty yeah. years in plastic. He's a technical. He knows plastic very, very well. What does he think about it? I mean. After he sees it, like, you know, he's right there making it, right? What does he think? He's very excited. He's very like excited. When we, it's working like this. I'm coming with the ideas. Yeah. I'm going to him. And he starts scratching his <laughs> mind. He's like, what does she <laughs> want now? How do we do this? Yeah. <laughs> and then he finds a solution. Right. Because he has so many years of experience and, and so much knowledge. He finds a solution. And other people in the plastic in- industry? Uh, they know about it. What do they think? I mean, because this is replacing plastic, but it's also like for plastic injection, they're still using the same thing, right? The same machine. Yeah. Everything the same. They still needed to make this one too. Yeah. So there's no changing machinery. No changing and of machinery, s- only changing of the raw material. And you serve petrol, right? Because that's how plastic is made. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Wow. 
And and um, okay, let me correct uh, or not not correct, but just understand something clearly. You can this can also replace paper. Yes. This material can replace paper. The stone. The largest paper yes. manufacturing in China is in Dongguan. So. I got a contact for you. Okay, guys, we're going to be back with more, more from Anna because these two things that she talked about are just two. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, and we're back. Now we're going to play our second game of this session. And as you know, it is called What's Up With This? So basically what we do is we go through your social media and find a couple of pictures and um, well we show them to you and you give us some context about what's going on in the pictures so Ziv you ready with the pictures? I'm scared you're scared <laughs> so I went through your Facebook all right and the first one seems quite old like older than Facebook oh mine <laughs> this is Are me you, you're there right yes in primary school Primary right. school. This is me. Right. All so white. So wh wh where is it? Wh what primary school? This is in school? Carmiel, okay. uh, Palmach. Palmach. School. Okay. Uh, there were two primary schools only in Carmiel then. Okay. Carmiel is in the north, yeah? Carmiel is in north of right. Israel. Right. And uh, are you in touch with anyone from this picture still? Let me put my glasses. I'm 50 <laughs> years old. <laughs> so you're you're the one in yellow? No, I'm the one in white. This one or this one? This one. Okay, okay. Yes. Yes, you're still with in most of them. Oh, really? Most of sure. them. Sure. Wow. This That's is Simona. This is Anat. This is Shirley. This is Doron. All right. Hopefully they are watching. We'll put a picture on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this was the first one. Primary school, Anna. Okay. Cool. Second one. It's right here. Oh, this is shy graduation. So your daughter? My daughter graduation. Where? Bachelor, New York University in Prague. So New York University in Prague. This is something, yeah, your kids, they... Uh, University of New York. University in of New York in Prague. Your yeah. kids, they study in uh, Prague. All Three, of them. All of them. Oh, how come? That's an interesting... Yeah, why? Well, <coughs> it started with Amit. He chose the first university because Yossi graduated in Thailand. Okay, that's your first son. Yeah. Yeah. So Amit chose... He started in England, but then he moved to Prague to University of New York in Prague. Uh, Shai, between Amit and Shai, there is one year mm -hmm. only. So Shai came to me and told me, I know where I'm going to university. So I asked her where. She said, Spain, Barcelona. What you're going to study? I don't know. Why you choose Spain, Barcelona? The best nightlife for best students. Best nightlife. <laughs> said, okay, you're not going there. <laughs> but she wanted to leave home. <laughs> so she followed Amit there. My youngest one graduated when he was 16 and a half years old only mm. from high school. Here, the one that he started in Dongguan. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we decided that, yes, we will allow him to go to university. But he had to have a family member in the place. He wanted to go to the States. Okay. But in the States, I don't have family. Mm -hmm. 
So at the end, he compromised and had to go to the same university <laughs> as his brother. <laughs> and right. I'm going there, like every year I'm going there, and they say, oh, another graduation. Right, <laughs> right. So now they're all off, the youngest one in university. And yeah. just to make it just a little bit longer, how, how as a mom of four, right, and you are not really a stay-at-home mom so much, how, how, do you, how do you prepare, how do you... You know, kids to go to university. You have four kids. It's a lot. Yeah. Is this a lot of pressure during life, thinking about that? A lot. A lot? A lot. So some of and you... I, I think this is my biggest achievement in life, my yeah. kids. Like from everything I've done in life, to the raise kids. four kids and all of them are educated, all of them stand... Even if, even if you change the world and stop cutting trees, still your biggest pride would be your kids. Yes. That's amazing. That makes sense. Makes sense. All right, guys. All right. So that was What's Up With This with Anna. Okay. So, Anna, we're going to continue talking about, um, well, all the things that you do, which the more we listen, the more fantastic they sound to me. And I have to share with you guys what happened the moment that Anna walked in. Um she walked in with this. Let me show you. Uh, you'll know that we are experiencing, well, this thing that is happening at the beginning of 2020. And she walked in with this, this mask. And I was like, what is that? So I don't know anything about this. So I'm going to let you guys talk about this. And uh, I already got one. So yeah, maybe explain uh, uh, what is it and what kind of a mask it is and... Okay, the idea came from my mother. She's 85 years old and she was struggling with all these mask things and she told me one sentence that made me think. She told me if the virus will not kill me, the mask will kill me. So <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> and then I start thinking maybe we can do a mask that fits all population but with adding features for the elderly people and for people that wearing glasses because for me to wear the normal glass and to work yeah, i cannot it's yeah, always really annoying. Foggy. Fog, foggy, fog and up, i yeah. need to take the glasses off or i need to take the mask off which is happening also when you go with friends now i'm only using reading glasses mm -hmm. but there are many people that like me. using glasses yeah. all day mm -hmm. and this is what we did we started a new development early February for a mask that is made from silicone gel. It's the same material used in baby battles nipples uh, with a filter that is yes. filtering more than 97% bacteria. We so it's, it's higher it. than N95? It's higher than N95. Wow. Uh, we tested it in a Nelson Laboratory for bacteria filtration. Where is Nelson rate. Laboratory? It's a worldwide laboratory, but we used it in Sanjen because we cannot travel now mm -hmm. anywhere. So we used you their say, You say this Sanjen. filter was used uh, through a third company in the US, sold to NASA? Yes. For the astronaut suits? Yes. For yeah. the space suits? Yeah. Of course, they have hoses uh, for yes, air and whatnot and oxygen. So this is used in NASA spacesuits. So this is again, it's, uh, I know you don't like the word, but sustainability. 
responsibility for sure, like you said, how you came up with that, right? Responsibility for the elderly. Um, but uh, sustainability because it's not disposable. It's not disposable. That's, that's one of the things that was really most interesting about it. This one you can wear, I don't know, months, years. Months and years, you can store it. We built, we made a package that you can store it mm -hmm. in your closet. It doesn't take space. And you can, you easily can wash clean it. it. Yeah, you can wash it. You can wash it, disinfect it with alcohol or boil it. You can throw and it in boiling sorry. water and, and nothing just, happens to it. And I guess you just change the filter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so. the filter also uh, lasts longer than your regular... The normal filter. Yeah. So because what is happening filter. now in the world, actually, with the one-time use disposable masks, everything is going to garbage at it. Oh. And you cannot recycle it. Yeah, because it's, it's, because it's of the virus. Waste. Oh, yes. right, it's toxic. Yes. So, so how this, many this billions filter, now? Yeah. Sorry, this filter lasts how long? One week. One week. So then it's a matter of, look, this... <laughs> but I guess the one week, it depends how much you use it. I would... I will, yeah. I think three, after three to four days, I will replace it. Mm -hmm. Right. But it can last up to one week if you right. don't use I mean, the this is another thing with the mask. Nobody really knows how often to change it. Everybody yeah. talking about it. I uh, would suggest yes. three to four days, change the filter. We've been doing something that to you looks a little bit crazy, like changing mask and you put it, I put it. But none of us has it. We know for sure we stayed here. We will keep it healthy. So this is what we're doing. This We all know this about each other. Um, so this is now... Uh, um, it's a new product. Right. It's a new product that's going, going to the market. Going to the market, maybe in the US, Europe, other places, Australia. Everywhere right? it can help. Right. Like the selling point is not to make money. The selling point is really to help people. Right. Right. The, the straps. And it sounds strange, like people will think, but also based on what happened in the last months and I saw many pictures and... You uh, said you donated. We donated 5,000 to Israel. To Israel. Yeah. Right. For an elderly house and mm -hmm. for an organization that takes care of uh, autism. So this one doesn't have, a, doesn't have a valve. No valve. The valve, um, well, it doesn't. It doesn't block as much as as the filter. No. Okay, so the micro microns and particles they would go through the valve, the valve, but not through the filter. And the fitting is based on suction, so it's fit perfectly the face, any mm -hmm. type of face. And because when you breathe, the breathing is very easy. The breathing is very easily. Wow. Okay, but we didn't want to... There's so much more to talk with Anna, guys. <laughs> so this, uh, you'll be hearing more about this in, in future yeah. in future episodes of future videos. But let's continue talking about the, ne the next topic. Yeah, so um, we, we were talking a little bit before about the scrap, the, the circular economy, making fashion, making shoes from scrap. Maybe explain us a little bit more with your brand, Roxanne, right? Um, how, how do you do that? How, what's the process? Like you, we talked before about where do you get it, the scrap, right? We say you're getting it from tanneries, you're getting it from you know tanneries that work with brands. They cut leather, they have scrap, and you probably get it from other places too because you get different materials, different not just materials. not just leather, right? But okay, so you have the scrap coming in. What do you do then? How do you make stuff from it? Well, I will start with the brand, okay? Because I really believe in circular economy. So I thought the best way 
to show the world that it really works is to create my own brand. Right. Mm. Not to educate existing brands, to start a new brand. And maybe this will educate, help right. to educate our existing brands. You don't need to convince brands. anyone else, you're controlling it. Yeah. Right. So we created Roxanne brand, which we're going to launch, I hope, by end of April, beginning of May. In China? In China. Right. So you, you're launching it in China first? First. Why? Because I believe the Chinese population is more aware of sustainability. Responsibility. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Then other countries. Well, they are more ready to accept it, embrace it. Is it because there's uh, some uh, already actions, laws, the government has been... I think so. I think the government here is pushing more through it's, it than it's other... Leadership. Yes. Right. It's taking a, a leadership, leadership role, role in the world. Yeah. In, in, in sustainability. This. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In environmental in general. Right. So you're launching And China it. was a very non-environmental country. Like yeah. when I arrived to China, I couldn't see blue skies in Dongguan. Right. And today, every day I go out, it's like, wow, it's so nice. People wouldn't believe that. Right. Yeah. People wouldn't you couldn't hear birds. Yeah. Before. There were no birds in 2008. Right. Yeah. They, did, they didn't want to be here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, but if you think about it, it's a very short time to right. do this change. It's 10 years. Right. Right. And all the other world is talking already 20 years about, okay, we need to do something. We need to do something. And let, damage is coming. But nothing changed. No right. action. No right. action. So Real action. So you're launching this Roxanne. It's a, it's a footwear and... Uh, footwear and home accessories. Home accessories brand. Fully uh, responsible, sustainable, uh, circular economy. No scrap. No scrap. No waste. It's made from scrap, right? Made from scrap and, and, and no and, waste. And it doesn't make waste. And uh, I know that uh, during this time you've been developing it. Uh, I guess uh, one or two years already, right? Yeah. You uh, got involved in some bigger uh, things uh, that relates to to this uh, sustainability in the fashion industry. Something called the Fashion Pact. Yes. Right. Maybe you can explain us more. Wha what is that? The Fashion Pact. The Fashion Pact is a group of fifty big brands around the world that is pushing through responsibility in the fashion industry. In the fashion industry. Uh, the idea is that as a group, you have more power to change things. Right. Uh, there are three actions that now we are working on. Uh, oceans, biodiversity, and climate. We are leading oceans. When you say we are leading oceans, who's it's we? It's mean with... Your company? Yeah. Okay. You. Basically. GTS, yeah, me. GTS, you have the money company of your yeah. brands. Okay, and you're leading the ocean group. Yeah, and we are pushing through um, actions that can be done to reduce the single use of plastic. This is the first thing in packing, which, is uh, a, yeah, which okay. we have the solution. Right, right. <laughs> on hand, actually, as a company. Right. Uh, and in to reducing the waste materials 
that are being thrown in garbage. Which is also something we've been talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so this, is a, this is a serious thing, this Fashion Pact, right? It's backed by the United by Nations. By the United Nations. And the meetings are where? In that? G7. In G7. Yes. Right, so... The meetings are in France, usually. In and Kerry. you've been there in meetings? Yes. How yeah. often do you guys meet? And um, It was supposed to be twice a year, mm-hmm. but now because of the situation right. in the world, yeah, we don't know when. Delayed. Yeah, uh, we're trying now to do to push some actions to help other countries in different in the same situation, like right. of the COVID fighting the COVID nineteen right. mm-hmm. um, from the fashion industry. Uh, we got the butterfly mark. Yeah, what is what the is butterfly that? mark? The butterfly mark, there is an organization of positive luxury brands that, again, working through sustainability, responsibility. Um, so it relates to many things, not just uh, recyclable uh, materials, no. human rights, uh, all of those things. It's uh, all together. Right. And then they check your company. They check what you did and what you're doing and all the certificates and uh, Everything on the products itself, human rights, and I'm happy to say we got the butterfly mark. Your company. Yes. Wow. So, so you can uh, h- how the every year companies get it or or what do they? Every year there nominee? is assessment. Okay. And part of the people that assess the company is people that work in UN, mm. in environmental. So you're department. audited every year. Yes. So it can be removed from... You can be removed if you're not mm-hmm. continuing based on the standard or what you declare and what you're doing. Uh, are there any other companies in China that have got the butterfly mark? Not that I know. Not, okay. We not are the only knowledge. one for now. Even there is the no Chinese brand that got the butterfly mark. From the fashion Swarovski thing. have the butterfly mark. Mm-hmm. Swarovski. Um... So companies that have uh, maybe Vuitton. they have operations in China, but they are not Chinese companies mm-hmm. like uh, like you, right? Yeah. Also, the Fashion Pact. Are you not the only Chinese company? I'm the only Chinese company member. There is one company in Hong Kong that is uh, dealing more with media, and it's more like trading company right. in the industry. So they are also members. Right. But as a supplier, forty nine of the members are brands. And, and we are the only supplier. Wow. Like we are coming from the other side of the You mean this is with mirror. GTS, which is the... Because you have a few companies, right? Yes. So you have GTS. And GTS is the plastic. Global Tooling Service is the plastic it's company. It's the plastic company. Which has an engineering office in Czech Republic. Right. And then Greenwald Footwear is the footwear company. Which under that you that have Roxanne. own Roxanne brand. Right. That's interesting. <laughs> you, you, when we were doing the preparation, you also talked about um, SEDEX. Um, right. Could you tell us exactly what SEDEX is and, and why it's important? SEDEX is a worldwide organization that auditing bra- auditing companies, brands, and suppliers. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say that we are shortlisted for the best uh, sustainable program for suppliers for 2020. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, and what is the focus for, for SEDEX? The focus for SEDEX is more 
and this is what I like because again, sustainability. What is what it is? What is a sustainable product? If the product is made for made from recycled plastic, but the person that did the product is a seven-year child mm. kid. I don't think this product is You're sustainable. You're not changing society. Yeah. So child so labor. SEDEX s- is f- fighting and uh, pushing in. for human rights. Mm-hmm. So taking into uh, consideration all these uh, factors. Yes. For and you've been nominated. Yeah. All for right. So there um, was supposed to be the a, a, a ceremony. There was supposed to be a ceremony in March, and it's delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We didn't got delayed. It's in uh, London. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> congratulations on all these accomplishments. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so how do you, you, you go back to the, uh, you say that you launched this in China, your uh, fashion brand, Roxanne. And yeah, you say that you think people are more open here, more open-minded for that. Um, yes. How do you think they will receive it? I mean... Um, you know who who's your who's your clients here in China for something that is fashion, but it's made out of scrap. You know, it's um, maybe some people. It's a little bit hard to wrap your head around it. You know, um, yeah. What do you think about? Uh, do you think they get the reaction that some people may not want this because it's from scrap, like people that are used to buy Gucci, or or, or Prada, or, or those 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 things. I think yes. I think there is a lot of educating okay. in this. It's what I want for my brand actually is to build a community. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be Gucci or Prada. Okay. I want to have people behind me, my customers, that believe right. in these things. A movement. A movement. Like we are willing to collect the shoes back and give discount on the next pair because we can recycle can this it. again. So yeah. they are helping the environment so further. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the quality is the same. Okay. So we don't compromise quality in order to use scrap. We use scrap and produce the same quality as Gucci, Louis Vuitton, and other brands. This is for all kinds of shoes. So it could also be for sports shoes, like running shoes, hiking shoes, industrial yes. shoes. Yes. We Applications are... We are focusing uh, focusing now on slides and women uh, flats, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, because we had to start from somewhere because mm-hmm. the process is very long, from collecting the materials, the scrap materials. It's different way of design. Like you don't have, you cannot produce mass production. Mm-hmm. So I think right actually this is something no, you can never. Yeah, you cannot produce mass production because you're depending on the scrap material. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're ordering whatever material you want. Mm-hmm. I'm not ordering one meters of leather, yeah. and one yards of denim. Yeah, I'm getting what I'm getting, and with this we need to work. So the challenge actually is in the design, because we give the designer, which is my daughter, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she studied graphic design as a hobby, and uh, she's working with many companies as a freelance as a graphic designer and she's a painter so we give her to make our designs okay because we want also a unique designs many of the designs are her paintings 
Right. And uh, so you, so you. This is the challenge, actually, because you have exactly. a piece of leather, and you need to create something with it. Okay. So we collect the materials, we separate by sizes and colors, then we decide if it's going to the footwear or to the home accessories. After that, we're sending all the pictures of the materials to the designer. They are coming with designs. We do a prototype. We check how many pairs we can do from the same design. And then from the waste, so we do another product. So this is not like, see, this is not like the... Uh, the normal the production This is line. not like your, your other... Uh, extreme environmental friendly solution for the stone plastic uh, that can replace paper, replace card boxes. This cannot replace the shoes in the shoe industry, no. right? Because if they're not made, you don't have the scrap from, <laughs> from mm -hmm. them, right? So this is more like a, a solution that... Uh, yeah. Circular economy. Yeah, so this is a circular to economy. Yes. It doesn't replace it's it. It's not replacing it. And I think as a woman, I wouldn't like to wear a pair of shoes that 1,000 women more wear the same. It's right. yeah, that's feel what unique. Right. That's what I was saying. And unique. there's an element of uniqueness right. to knowing that there's a very limited number of shoes that look like this or, or that have this design, and it makes you feel special. Right. I call it art. It's uh, the yeah. same like paintings. Like You don't have thousands of them. Mm -hmm. So it's right. really... a more art, artistic shoes, artistic footwear. What, 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 uh, you say, you told me before, the fashion industry is the most polluting industry in the world. Yes. What's the most polluting, because a lot of people don't really know that, we live in China, mm -hmm. we live in Dongguan, where a lot of shoes are made, right? Even if you don't work in shoes, you've have you've had friends, you've been to factories, I don't know if you've been, Fernando, yeah. I've been to tanneries, I've seen these things, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but people watching, they don't have, they don't think about it. What it needs to happen to to create a shoe or you know all these fashion materials, fashion uh, accessories? What is the most uh, polluting part of it? The leather, the tanneries. The tanneries and the denim. Mm. Denim. The denim. How, what do you mean the denim? Like, the I don't know. I don't know how they make denim. The, the jeans, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. They collect the cotton. Uh -huh. And the cotton go to washing, and I also don't know exactly the process. Right. But in one point, it's go for coloring. Right. And the coloring yeah. is the most polluting. A coloring. Yes. It's the so same with the tanneries. It. It's the same with the tanneries. The same with the tanneries. Yeah. Chemicals right. and everything. And that's another thing you told me before, because you kept this, you, you collect the scrap, you could still. Paint it, color it to something according to the design, but you don't do that. We don't do that. You don't do that. You just work with what you have. Yes. And even when you print... We print with environmental-friendly uh, colors. Right. We don't use so any chemicals during the process. It's really a full... The uh, plastic is recycled. The leather is from scrap. And we don't use anything. If we use denim, it's from scrap. Right. If we use fabric, it's from scrap. Right. This is just one of the most interesting talks we've had so far in our in our. Well, what, what is your podcast. end? What's your angle? What's like? Is there an end? But or just there is no end to that. Like uh, to being successful uh, more in implementing your solutions. I think 
my goal now is to get awareness of people. Awareness. To build a community, a strong community in China that can move, get a movement all over the world. All okay. right. And well, in that sense, we hope that we have been an important part of yes. that awareness that you want to reach. We really, really want to thank you for taking the time. You must be a very busy person from all the things that you mentioned here. So we really appreciate you taking the time to, to meet with us and to share all the things that you do, all the important things that you do for the world, the environment and the industries um, here in our, of course, China podcast. Uh, Zip, do you have any closing? Uh? Oh, I think that uh, I have known Anna for a long time and uh, uh, in the recent years I've learned more and what she's doing and uh, like as you feel today, you didn't know her before and it's quite amazing. <laughs> I really hope we help to raise awareness and uh, and uh, I hope you, you I think you you are trying to change the world and I hope you succeed. Yes. Yeah. Thank All you. right. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much guys for watching and remember if you like the content of our channel, make sure to subscribe to it. If you do that, don't forget to hit the bell button to be notified whenever there is a new video out and remember to follow us in all of our social media posted down here. And until we see you again, this has been, of course, China. See you later, guys. Bye. -bye.